0: Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. It is Friday. It is the Friday before the election. It's hard to believe what I'm saying. There's four days to go until election day. So this is our weekend podcast, and uh, by popular demand, Tim Miller is joining me. Tim Miller, who must spend about 20 hours a day doing podcasts, right? Doing other people's podcasts. Is, 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 <laughs> Charlie, is, is you're, number,
1: you're number one on my list, but I do oh, have you, a disproportionate you say- <laughs> number of podcasts and live stream
0: appearances. Yeah. Um.
2: I a, mean, not twenty
1: hours.
0: You, you do you do the Snapchat thing. You do you yeah. do the podcast. You do you do all of these other things. You do MSNBC. It's like it's like your little cottage industry of Tim Millerism.
1: You know, I you just got to get. You, we have to be multi-platform content creators in twenty twenty, Charlie. It's that's part true. of the deal.
0: Um. No, that is that's absolutely true. So I'm I'm, tra- I'm trying to figure out where do we where do we start here because we are we are right up against it, and uh, in terms of of polls all over the place, anxiety, uh, spiking. Um, I, I wrote something this morning and I, and I just wanted to kind of bounce it off you. Okay. Before, before we get into the whole Miles Taylor, free speech, uh, Don jr. All of this stuff, Rudy Giuliani, uh, Tucker's Tucker's lost UPS package, which I love by the way. Love. So I was thinking about the final days of this campaign in the, in the closing message, and the the question, well, is there an October surprise coming the kind of a comey last minute thing and then it occurred to me that you no, know, Donald Trump really needed an October surprise, and this is the kind of way he thinks, of course he he he's the executive producer of of everything. And he he not only got an October surprise, he got a whole bunch of October surprises. I mean, you think about the month of October and by his standards, pretty much everything broke his way. I mean, okay, leaving aside the pandemic and people dying and the fact that he didn't get a stimulus package and various other things like that and couldn't get Bill Barr to do certain, you know, indict certain folks. But beyond that. He had an amazing run of what would have been good luck for anybody else. I mean, you think back, if this was the beginning of October and I say, hey, you know what's going to happen in the next month? Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is going to die and he's going to be able to ram through a new Supreme Court justice. Uh, a week before the election he's to be able to stand there on the balcony and he's going to be able to cement a six three majority. He's going to have um, you know high profile ceremonies where he's going to sign East peace accords, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be diagnosed with a coronavirus, but uh, he's going to recover and he's going to have this triumphant return to the White House with helicopters and like something out of a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> um, they're going to discover Hunter Biden's laptop. Um, there's going to be more riots in Philly. So he's going to be able to play the the law and order card. And then finally, finally, five days before the election, we have these amazing economic numbers, you know, the GDP growing six percent, seven percent in the third quarter. That's annualized. That is a 30 percent growth rate, which is just never, ever happened before in the history of anything. And so this would be like the, the best possible gift that any president would have the Friday, the Thursday before the election. So all of these things happened in October and Donald Trump is still screwed. He's still on track, I think, for an historic defeat. And so it does make you you, you wonder. I mean, you know, I, I'll throw it to you. I'm going to throw it back to you. But, you know, look at this and go, here's a guy who's handed all of these great cards and it's not working for him because of obviously because this is the pandemic election and he cannot wish that away with his magical thinking. And number two, he's Donald freaking Trump and he is who he is. And this was a man who is was never going to rise to the occasion, can't stay on message. And so what do we have? We have the airing of his grievances, uh, you know, the, the verbal rhetorical diarrhea that we've become uh, accustomed to. And so you get a guy that could have been talking about the Supreme Court, could have been talking about the economy, could have been talking about world peace. And instead, you have him talking about everything. You talk about Hunter Biden and how we had to throw Miles Taylor in jail. It's really quite extraordinary when you think about it, how much stuff has happened and how little it's helped Donald Trump.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, on a couple of those things, I think you're trying to shine the turd a little bit. Uh, oh, I like yeah, very the pre- much. on the on the pre- the president contracting the coronavirus out of his own incompetence at the awesome. you know Amy, and at, but at the at the Amy Coney Barrett event at the at the Supreme Court event. So you know, he tainted two of those items um, uh, that you laid out there, and and, picky, and you know, the reality is that picky, um, picky. <laughs> the reality is that it's you know <laughs> there are two two overriding things here. One of them, which you mentioned, is just the nature of Donald Trump and just his um, uh, uh, you know grossness and his unpopularity yeah. and the fact that people don't like him. But then and then also this virus though this virus that he hasn't been able to manage that's now again getting worse and worse. And so you know I, these two things just overshadowed all all of that. And and so I well I agree with you that it also. Donald Trump um, didn't play his cards as well as he could have. Uh, you know, certainly, um, you know, if he was a different human, um, if he wasn't as you know fundamentally flawed as he is, he might have he might have been able to yeah. to play this hand a different way. But uh, but uh, he, that was never going to
0: happen. But actually, that's the October non-surprise. The Trump is Trump. He's always going to be Trump. He's, he's never going to be anybody different. Yeah. He's never going to be empathetic. He's never going to be competent. He's never going to rise to the occasion right? Yeah. You know? being,
1: being, and also being the president is a lot different than not being the president. Yeah. <laughs> this seems like an obvious statement, but for Trump in particular, you know, I mean, he's really in his wheelhouse talking about how bad everybody else is, you know? I mean, that is, that, that's a slow fastball down the middle of the plate for Donald Trump. And, and that's what he got to, to be in 2016. Hillary's bad and Obama's bad and Bush is bad and all these people are idiots that that's a different that's a different animal than having to say i'm good right and i and i managed these crises that are facing your lives well and not only is he not good at the management he's he's not particularly good at the case uh, you know I and mean, he is he's good at hyperbole he's good at saying he's the greatest but but his heart isn't really in that right no, no, his heart no. is in saying other people are terrible and that's and that's you know what he
0: kind of reverts back to um, Sleepy uh, Joe. Amazingly that looking back on it, his 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 gift for coming up with, you know, just the right, you know, seventh grade jibe, he, he he lost it because Sleepy Joe didn't work because all of America said, We're okay with that. We're okay with Sleepy.
1: Yeah, it was like I had I had, you know, this was like my fifth on my little notepad of bulwark articles I want to write. This was like the fifth bullet for, you know, basically the last five months. And I just never got around to it. it was just the fact that Trump's inability to nickname Biden as ridiculous as that seems like was actually really telling in Yeah. how and 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 how flailing his campaign is like that he couldn't right. even come up with something that that simple that he couldn't figure out how to define Joe Biden um and which is something that should be his his top strength
0: okay I don't I don't have a soundbite on this but I want to read you something he said in temp, Tampa okay. yesterday because it's it is so classic so he's he's going off on one of his his uh you know word salads. He says I, I I get a call from the experts. Right, guys that ran for president six, seven, eight times never got past the first round. He's he talking about Lindsey Graham. I don't know. I don't. Anyway, um, oh. but they're calling me up and saying, Sir, you shouldn't be speaking about Hunter. You shouldn't be saying bad things about Biden because nobody cares. I disagree. Maybe that's why I'm here and they're not. But they say, talk about your economic success. Talk about 33.1%, the greatest in history. Now, look, if I do, I mean, how many times can I say it? I'll say it five or six times during the speech, 33.1. But you look at that and you look at Tucker Carlson, what he did the other night. Great, great. And followed up by Sean and followed up by Laura. And the next day, nothing at all, right? Okay so that is so classic. It's it's almost like you had to you know go to a laboratory and make up the perfect quote there. Because you know people are going, "Mr. President, you really ought to be talking about the economics, you know, you know, relate to people in the world." And he's going, "Yeah, I could do that, but that's boring." You know, look at what Sean was saying and look, he's cre- he lives in that bubble.
1: Yeah, uh, the uh, Jane Coaston wrote an amazing Vox story about how the extremely online campaign that Donald Trump is running and how he's just obsessed with all of these minor, you know, issues that are only um intelligible if you are like spend all day watching Fox and Rating Breitbart and Gateway pundit, and and it is I mean, like he just tells on himself in that statement. It's like these guys are calling me and telling me to help myself <laughs> and give me good advice, and I'm telling them to pound sand.
0: Yeah, I'm telling them
1: to pound sand, losers. We're going to talk about the Bubalinski gambit instead, and uh, yeah, I mean, th- but this is just th- that was also true in twenty. 20- 16 right it's just it was the 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 context around it was different um and i think that the campaign also had you know more of a um you know more people around him who could shape him right i mean trump was never managed and you know there isn't this there isn't this whole notion that you could have adults around him there was never that but you know bannon and Kellyanne and some of these folks in 2016 did, I think, have the ability to get him to focus on the forgotten man and all the bullshit that he never actually cared yeah. about, but that was good, that was good branding. And he bought into that. Um, and I don't I just don't think that there's anybody left to do that. I mean, obviously, but the, as evidence by the fact that people are calling him and telling him to do the right thing and he's making fun of them on the stage. Um, you know, he doesn't have anybody to do that. Bill Stepian is not doing that. No,
0: he's he's just he's trying to just plug the holes in the broken up Death Star.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Which is still one of the most fascinating stories. So speaking of the coronavirus, because, I mean, this this is going to be the overriding story is that his handling of the of the pandemic, um, I, I think, has been has been fatal. But also the way he is locked into this narrative that it's no big deal. And it is amazing to me. Uh, because I'm sitting right here in Wisconsin. This is the biggest story in Wisconsin. We are just being hammered here. The hospitalization rates are going up. Uh, They have a field hospital at the State Fair Park. Uh, We're like number three in the country in terms of, of new cases. He was here last week and he made fun of it, did the whole COVID, COVID, COVID. That's all the media wants to talk about. You know, his son had it for 16 seconds, treating it like a joke. And he's coming back to Green Bay, which if you look at the national map, that's the really red spot. It's where the thumb of of, uh, of of Wisconsin is. And he's coming back and he's going to be doing that. And it's it is kind of amazing. I mean, the tone deafness and the callousness is, is kind of amazing, but also the super spreader events. But it's a family affair. So here's here, uh, Don Jr. Um, is is on with uh, with Laura Ingram. And uh, he's sharing his great insights into the coronavirus. Let's play that. These people, these people are truly morons. You know what I mean? And I like how they go after Scott Atlas because he's not an epidemiologist, but Sanjay Gupta now magically is. I mean, give give me a break, Laura. The reality is this. If you look, I put it up on my Instagram a couple days ago because I went through the CDC data because I kept hearing about new infections, but I was like, well, why aren't they talking about this? Oh, oh, because the number is almost nothing because we've gotten control of this thing. We understand how to how it works. They have the therapeutics to be able to deal with this. If you look at that, look at my Instagram. It's gone to almost nothing. We're <laughs> oh, oh, excuse me. I, I apologize. In laugh. Advance, but, it's so oh, angry. Yeah. Fuck me. I mean, seriously, it's like th- there's another one of those classic moments. Don Jr. Referring to other people as morons, talking about how he's going through the data and he's posting this data on his Instagram account that says that there's almost no one is dying on a day when about a thousand Americans are dying every single freaking day
1: yeah Charlie <laughs> I'm just kind of warming up over here because there's so many things I can just go off on on that I just, the, the Donald Trump Instagram thing is both sad and comic but also dot I mean sort of dire right there are people that are getting their information from donald trump jr's I mean, instagram true. feed and this is going to be a long you know thing that we'll get to talk about on this podcast for yeah. many years to come no matter what happens tomorrow years. because uh because it's a problem um and, and number one and and number two you know he's on fox and and i've gone on this rant the last few days for people have been on bulwark stuff about how i i like the biggest story in the country right now is that the president continues this tour that you're talking about where you go through Wisconsin and, and, you know, and, and Don Jr. Derisively attacks Sanjay Gupta, um, for, for just saying the facts, which is if you look at the numbers, uh, in, in almost all of the places Donald Trump has gone, uh, you see, a, you see a uptick in cases. Um, you know, there's this whole town in North Carolina, Gastonia, where they can't even contract trace anymore. They're just like, everybody might have it. So everybody's just got to stay at home literally after Trump went to have an, uh, airport rally then. And, and I've felt like there hasn't been, you know, the, me- the media has gotten bored with this story a little bit. Um, and you know, with the exception of a couple, you know, cable news shows. Um, but, uh, uh, Even more responsible than them is like the fact that there's once again, just this utter failure of everyone around Donald Trump. You know, the fact that like Laura Ingram cannot even basically, you know, give a mild pushback to this, you know, the fact that Fox News, which is supposed to be a news station whose whose viewers disproportionately are affected by this virus, can't just report the facts about the, the quarter million deaths. That are happening in this country. The fact that there's not a single Republican elected official, not a single one who has said, you know what, I don't think that the president should be doing these tours. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to participate. Yeah. No, they're all participating. You know, they're all participating. They're and they're doing their own mini COVID tours. You know, like Tom Cotton's go, going around Iowa right now into t- into little diners where in enclosed spaces where he's breathing all over people. I, um, obviously, much smaller crowds because Tom Cotton has no charisma. But but still uh, over the CDC guidelines. And, and so you know you listen to this Donald Trump Jr. and it's just hard. It's hard not to just laugh and then to cover up the rage.
0: Well, because, but this is the message. And I I don't know that the the Trump world could have really hit upon a worse message given what's happening right now. I mean, they made a massive bet that this thing was going to go away. I really do think that that over the summer they thought, okay, we're going to open up the country. We're going to declare victory and it's, it's going to go away. All the scientists are wrong and oh my God, it's um, but I mean the human cost, is so dramatic and, and people are seeing it, but he is spreading this misinformation. So it makes it worse. Okay. So yeah, no, um, just really quick here. Yeah. yeah, this morning,
1: yeah. Like again, cause yeah, I just woke again. up to it. We've been, you know, more testing equals more cases. We've been, t- we so. have best testing deaths way down. Hospitals have great additional capacity. Uh, exclamation point. Doing doing much better than Europe. Therapeutics working exclamation point! It's just not true. I mean, you know, in in Utah, in El Paso, Texas, the hospitals are running out of beds again. Um, Like no, it's just I, I, I. i guess he thinks that he just can survive four more days keeping up this lie and then who the hell knows what he does during the during the eight weeks if he loses
0: Um, wasn't it somebody in the washington post who said it it, it's sort of the the obi-wan kenobi these are not the droids you're looking for just to sort of like just trying to get americans what you're actually seeing out there is not actually happening it's magically disappearing Mm -hmm. It's not going okay. Speaking of these these rallies, okay, we can go a lot of different ways on all of this. Uh, Miles Taylor, who's been on this podcast, uh, former chief of staff to the Department of Homeland Security, broke very heavily, very very hard uh, against the administration. Has told very very compelling stories, which you've written about, which uh, we've talked about about what was going on uh, behind the scenes, uh, the cruelty, uh, all of the different ideas that they were able to. Many of them were able to slap down. Many of them, they were not able to slap down. We're getting more details about the number of children who have been ripped from their parents and may never see them again. By the way, this is an atrocity, but let's move on. So um, Miles Taylor then somewhat belatedly comes out and says, and by the way, I was also anonymous. Two years ago, he wrote that anonymous op-ed piece in the New York Times, uh, where he was described as a senior official, not really. um, and then he turned that into a book, which came out about a year ago. Um, I was among those who said at the time that there's an expiration date for anonymity, and we were way past it by this point. If you got a problem, you got to put your freaking name on it, because we had a lot of folks that were coming out during the impeachment and laying their names on the line, and anonymous didn't do it. Well... To his credit, eventually, Miles Taylor did come forward belatedly and put his name on it. But um, the president is, is obsessed with this. And so I, I want there's a lot of different ways we can go here. But I, I was really struck by yesterday how a lot of people on the right are saying, you know, the big fight of our time is about free speech and against cancel culture. But apparently they draw an exception for the president of the United States, who's way into cancel culture. Let's play this from yesterday.
2: But praise for the Trump. Oh, it's incredible, incredible. Then somebody gets him at The New York Times, the fake New York Times, and all of a sudden he becomes nasty. And he writes and they say a top White House official. Well, he was a staffer. Low had nothing to do with the White House. He had nothing to do. And he goes in, and you know what? There should be major criminal liability for cool. some scum like this.
0: Yeah, and you know, from here,
2: everybody walks into my office, Secretary of State, Pompeo. I could name every one of them, all good people. I'm looking at him and saying, I wonder if that could be the one, right? You know? And it turns out to be this low life that nobody knows who the hell he is. He had nothing to do with us. I don't think I ever met him, and I might have met him. I think somebody said He has a picture of me standing someplace. This is a disgrace to our country. It shouldn't happen, and he should be prosecuted. Are you listening to me back in Washington? He should be prosecuted. (laughs) Along with the New York Times, because it was a story made up. It was fake news made up by the New York Times.
0: So lock them up. Lock them up.
1: Yeah, a lot of ways you could go with that, like you said. I do want to yeah. say, just briefly on Miles before I rant about the president's just grotesque behavior. Um I, you know, he should have he should have said that he was anonymous when he first came out. Um, you know, we didn't know when he did a, the video with Arvat, um, that he was anonymous. And and it's I think it would have made a lot more sense to uh, come clean about that. If you're coming clean and speaking truth. And, you know, we, we, I think that there was this yearning for people to speak truth. And that's why people responded so much to his, his video and then his future.
0: um He was asked about it on, on by Anderson Cooper at the point that you're coming out. Why don't you say, I don't know. I, 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 I don't, don't know. get that. I, I, think I, I don't you convoluted.
1: Understand. You know, I think you get in your head about trying to be cute and trying to figure out how to how to come forward in a way that will have the, I, I don't know. I can't, mm-hmm. I if I had the answer to that, I'd right. answer it, but I, I think he should have. I think he should have. And I think that it hurt <laughs> his testimony a little bit too, to then just reveal it, you know, a couple months later that said, like, you know, say what you want about the media strategy. Like he's, he came out and spoke the truth while a lot of other people hadn't. So good on him. Um And secondly, you know, this idea that the president always immediately goes to prosecution and to silencing people is, if he was more competent, uh, would be deeply concerning. Uh, You know, and like, there's a little bit of a boy who cries wolf over the fact that, that, you know, that you don't want to soften your outrage because oh you know we're, we just we just kind of gotten used to the fact that the president threatens to put people in jail all the time happens all the time you know dime a dozen now and so you know it doesn't usually happen so nothing to get outraged about it is outrageous it's the, it is the behavior of a tin pot dictator and 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 your, and your point is exactly right charlie that like that it, that it reveals just how phony the whole outrage is over cancel culture. And it's just, I, while I'm sympathetic to certain cases, particularly of regular folks who've gotten a raw deal, um, and those should be litigated, Like uh, as as a overriding policy time and again, what Donald Trump and his supporters reveal is we just want to cancel the people we don't like, <laughs> like that's all this is about. And and if somebody comes out and blows the whistle, they should be prosecuted, they should be fired, they should be perp walked out of the White House like Alex Vindman and his brother were. Um, you know, newspapers should be shut down. We should redo libel laws. I mean, this is not a group. That is that is arguing in good faith on behalf of free speech. That's not that's not no, actually what's happening
0: here. I, I don't think so. So this is this is a little bit tangential in talking sure. about Miles, uh, Ta- uh, you know, Miles Miles Taylor. But you know, he worked in the Department of Ham- Homeland Security, so a lot of the things he said relate to the decision with families and separation. And this week, it was this week, right? Help me, I'm in the time warp where we found out that more than 500 kids may not ever be reunited with 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 their parents and there isn't something else not to be numbed about because in terms of just the foundational atrocities that we think about of of moments where governments callously take babies away from their mothers th- this happened in this country, Americans did this. Our government did this in real time. And this is one of those moments where we, th- you know, we, we throw around terms like, you know, norms and decency and everything, but this ought to be really clear. The, people ought to understand the scenes, if they, if they can use their moral imaginations to imagine what it's like to be a child taken away from your parents by the state, or a mother seeing their children being dragged away, knowing they will never hear them. Um, We wonder how other societies and other cultures were able to do something like that, but we're doing it right now. And, and it's like, and this is not an old story. It's, it's really, and we're making a decision right now, whether we're okay with this.
1: Yeah. And there's this, there's this, you know, sort of narrative going around now on among the Trump defenders, that it's like, well, I mean, you know, the parents don't actually want to be reunited with the kids, you yeah. know, and we're trying, but they don't, they don't want to, and it's just all such bullshit. It's just such bullshit, and and I'm gonna re, re we have for the Bulwark Plus members, and I've said this on the Next Level podcast, but I I just want to reiterate because it it's important, um, and um, and that's. Uh, that I, I've done some work out here with the uh, um, mom community, um, which is uh, in northwestern Guatemala. It's the indigenous, like uh, kind of the ancient Mayan indigenous community, and and the, and the people who they were fleeing a very violent region um, of of the country. Uh, they they came to the country uh, as asylees at the end of the Obama administration uh, to to you know really give their kids a chance they they don't speak english they don't speak spanish they don't speak latin languages right they they speak this ancient indigenous language tribal language in in guatemala so uh you know it, their integration into american society is like a little is more challenging right than somebody who speaks spanish right they're just some basic yeah, things that you can't communicate, you don't understand. There's cultural things, there's language parts, and so when I think about what's happening at this border, I think about that because that's who this is, right? That, it's people from the, the the Northern Triangle, and they come across the border. They don't speak English. All they know is that in America, you know, they'll be safe. They think, and that that you know, you get treated fairly in America. That America is the place that you go. You come across the border. You don't, you don't understand what's happening. You have, you have uh, border security separate you from your kids. Uh, then, you know, you can't, you don't know what their instructions are. They're yelling at you. You know, you get put into a cage and then you get deported back across the border. And maybe there's one person in your group who like speaks enough English or Spanish or something to figure out like what has happened, and they say, "Well, the the kids are staying. They're they're you know being fostered. They're being sent to your second or third cousin or something, or they found a family for them." And, and so then you're you're, what do you do? Try and just think about that yeah. fear, Charlie. Like, what do you do? Like you go, you you come back. You you don't know what happened. You got jailed and then treated horribly. You had your kid ripped from your arms. Then you get deported back across the border, and it's like, well, you're not going to go back. You know, to get them, then you get a call from the US government that, like, that are, no wonder they're scared. They should be scared. We treated them horrible, like, uh, just, just reprehensibly. So, I, 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 yeah, and I don't, I think that it is something that is easy for, you know, people to look away from. And I think that a lot of the Republicans have decided that the easy answer to this is, like, well, you know, it's like, it's, a, I mean, we, we've, you know, the 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 parents didn't want to. No wonder they didn't want to come back after the inhumane treatment they got.
0: Well, and also this was the pro-life party and the party of family values and all of this. You had a piece uh, last Sunday you put out a, a, a newsletter, which I find very valuable. In fact, I have it up right now. Um, a letter to good faith, you know, people who are you know, wrestling with whether or not to vote for, for Trump. Did you have somebody in mind when you wrote this letter, by the way? You know, the message for reluctant Trumpers of good faith. Yeah, did I did. It, it, I don't want to
1: out them, but I, okay. I was having a conversation with my mother, and so I come from a big Catholic St. Lo- family mm-hmm. in St. Louis. We we my my nuclear family was in Denver, but all my cousins and aunts and uncles are St. Louis, so it's a big, big Catholic family. Um, and I was just kind of quizzing my mother on where everybody landed, um, you know. And it's like most, kind of like a lot of families, I think most of the millennials uh, are with. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh biden and and most of her you know siblings and, and in-laws um are, are with trump and you know some of them aren't gettable but but there are others um of them and of her friends who are you know she she is uh you know kind of a church lady if you will mm-hmm. um and so who are the, you know they they're str- they struggle with two things right they they're genuinely and passionately pro-life um Mm -hmm. voters as catholics
0: i I, I have a lot of friends yeah yeah
1: and they all but they also know see the president for who he is right That this is a bad person but they weigh you know the policies and you know uh uh, abortion in particular but also the green new deal and they a lot of them watch fox and so they're under the impression that the democrats have all gone crazy They, they don't you know fox doesn't spend a lot of time talking about the fact that joe biden's Entire staff is like 1990s centrist DLC I corporate know. corporate types, <laughs> but but anyway, so they're worried that Joe Biden is going to go to the far left, and so I wrote this article for them and people like them because it's not just them, right? There are more the faithful Mormons like this, I mainline Protestants who who see Trump, and and they they they're trying to balance. The, and I think that because they're getting their information from Fox, they're getting a distorted version of yeah. Trump and they're getting a distorted version of the Democrats. And, they, and the, Trump's tweets are on one side of the ledger and an and abortion is on the other side of the ledger. And so I wanted to try to balance the ledger for them and say, look, it's not just the tweets. Look at the way that he has treated immigrants and people of color and seniors and vulnerable communities dying from this virus and, and, and look at it clearly and then decide whether he you, he has earned he has earned your vote and and you know I, I have heard not from my, my family but I've heard from two people in Florida great uh, swing state who said who who this fit them like they were like I I I, I just I ended up deciding I couldn't do it and I was going to vote for Biden and uh, and one of the guys said that that it, 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 his kids are very happy with him so I was happy to at least bring one family together at this time of political strife at the dinner table.
0: Well, why I found this, I found this very compelling because I think there's been a tendency over the last few years, you know, to to, uh, to sort of stigmatize people who are on the other side and say, OK, it's because you're a racist or because you're stupid or because of, you went to where they were and talked to shared values. And I think that's that's why it's so powerful. And if I could read it just for a minute, because sure. you're, you're, you're talking about an America where you were taught to to you know love the country because right matters. It's a country where we might make mistakes, but where we were a unique force for good, a place that is the light and hope of the world. Okay, so this is a shared vision. You know, America at its best. I'm not attacking you. We're talking about what we believe in. So if you don't agree that America is a place where right matters, that we're a special country with special responsibilities, then we are different from the regimes the world over. You can stop here because this pitch is not for you. But then you go through. In a place where right matters, we don't shut the door on refugees fleeing oppression and yearning to breathe free. We don't. Quick have an interruption! Exclusive. I know yes. you you got the pace yes. going,
1: but the Trumps yes. sent a tweet yesterday on this point, on the refugee point, which is just which was so despicable. I, you, you lose all this. He says if Biden gets in, seven hundred percent more refugees from Somalia, mm. and he lists two other countries. I forget. I think it was Syria, Somalia, and
0: another country are going into Michigan, Minnesota, and Pennsylvania into more, your communities. More brown people.
1: Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, so. Sorry, well, no,
0: that's exactly it. You know, I mean, it used to be that we understood that this was the yearning to breathe free. That we didn't shut our doors on those people. We don't. If you're a if you're a country where right matters, have an explicit policy to rip young children from their parents' arms and then deport the parents losing track of them leaving their children orphaned in a foreign country in a place where right matters the president does not put someone who plots with white nationalist organizations in charge of the entire country's immigration regime i think we know who that is mr miller we don't bar mother we don't bar mothers from visiting their dying babies because their country of origin happens to be majority muslim We don't put 18-year-old citizens in disgusting deportation cages without a lawyer for three weeks because they have brown skin and happen to be in a car with undocumented immigrants. And it goes on and on and on about, you know, if we are a good and decent people, this is not the way we behave. And so that's why I thought that this thing was really good, Tim, because it, w- it really was aimed to persuade. And, and I think this is one thing that we've kind of lost the willingness to try to persuade. There's so much of our dialogue is about just simply triggering the other side or making the other side weep or just bludgeoning them into something. But there is that moment where you go, look, you're a good and decent person. You you are pro-life. You are pro-family. Do you understand what we are doing and how you can't support these policies if you believe what you say you believe and so I think that's why this was so effective
1: yeah thanks and I had, I had uh, my husband's a, a lib, and so I had him read it and he was and he I made a mad a couple times with my you know sort of uh, p- pans to Republican yeah. values gone past and I was like that's good I hit the mark then because that's who I'm talking to until whether or not you believe that the those Republican, you know bromides uh, that we that I grew up in were true. Whether whether you believe that that was true or that was BS. Now the people that voters were talking to, the people were trying to persuade, do I did believe it at one point at least. Maybe they don't believe it now, right? Maybe maybe they no longer believe that we're a shining city on the hill and that America has, is a unique force for good in the world. But they believed it at one time, and some of them still believe it. And so I, I wanted to try to make a case to them. On, on those grounds that sort of stripped away the tweets and stripped away, um, you know, a lot of the other, you know, more finger-waggy elements of, 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 I think, how we communicate at one another these days. And so I'm, I'm hoping that um, it had an impact. And then at the, at the very end, I did also want to just all, make this reminder about Joe Biden and, 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 and de-catastrophize the possibility of a Biden victory. And and I, you know I just had one or two paragraphs on that but just it was just simply that's like look I, Joe Biden has promised to run as a bipartisan. He was the only one in the democratic race who did. And if he doesn't and if you're right and I'm wrong and if AOC is actually the you know ha- puppet master behind Joe Biden for the first 2 years, we'll do exactly what we did in 20 in 2010 and and vote the bums out. And Obama didn't really—I know this is uh, inconvenient to the Fox narrative—but like didn't do that much for the last six years yeah. <laughs> of his presidency because Republicans ran everything. You know, the Republicans locked—you know—tied him up in in um, oversight and you know blocked a lot of legislation. And so, anyway, um, I, I think that um, uh, I, I hope that that you know, if you if you are listening to this and you still have some a friend in your life that's like this, do not. Fair warning. Do not send this to your MAGA uncle. I had a couple of friends who got it, and they're like, oh, it's a Republican message to Republicans. And they sent it to their dad, and you know, now they're in a big fight with their dad. I'm like, do not send it to somebody who's got the red hat on. There are some people who are not reachable. This is solely for people that see Trump, <laughs> recognize that he's a bad person, that are still putting the Green New Deal as a as a weightier uh, factor on the other side of the ledger. That's the person we're trying to talk to. So don't you know? Don't don't don't. don't I don't want to create any unnecessarily family feuds here.
0: Yeah, no, I don't worry about that sort of thing. Speaking of creating a, a family feud here, because you are uh, so promiscuous in terms of your uh, podcast um, uh, <laughs> activities, uh, you you're going on with Matt Lewis, who's been writing, who's anti-Trump. But has decided to make this pivot into how really, really scary Joe Biden is. And I think he's written about 10 columns about how um, how Biden's going to pivot to the left. And he heard all kinds of terrifying things that Joe Biden is saying in in all of this, that he's going to be just simply. A, so I I hope you, you you basically call bullshit on on math.
1: I can't wait stuff. to argue okay? with him about that. I hope yeah. he'll argue with me. And and, and look, I, maybe I, I, I want to just caveat this, Charlie, that like I. It's not I like there's a zero fight, percent. I'll, I'll try to fight with him. But the, yeah, I will okay. say just that's for that's honest, honesty to honest listeners, there's, there's not a zero percent chance that that happens right now. You know, it's just that like if you look at the facts, if you look at the people who are around Joe Biden, it is it is it is it is, it is you can criticize them for being the swamp. Maybe that might be the criticism. He's got a lot of lobbyists around him, but he certainly doesn't have a lot of radical leftists around him. And so. You know, we'll see how things shake out. But um but I, I think that what ends up happening, the most likely scenario is that, like, you know, there's one crazy radical in the Department of Education at like a mid level and, you know, at Miles Taylor's level and that, that Fox turns them into the most important oh, yeah. person in America Um, because because, you know, it's hard to, to, to demonize Ron Klain. You know, and (laughs) people, these, you know, old centrist Democratic hands who have been around for ages that are that are actually going to staff this administration.
0: Yeah, exactly. In fact, I, I I saw a tweet when somebody talked about the gap between the professional pundit class and the people who actually cover, say, Biden world, because you look at those folks and. They're pretty pragmatic. They're pretty reasonable. You're right. It's, it is a non-judge. Martin to put that yeah. out
1: there to his credit. Yeah, yeah to, to uh, his
0: credit. I mean, there's going to be a lot of noise from the AOCs of the world and everything. But um, Biden has been very, very clear on all of this. And, and he does have to remind people every once in a while, you know what? The people you're talking about are the ones I beat. There, there was actually a primary and they didn't win. Yeah. I won because I wouldn't go along with all of their things. So you, you went, went, went you and he to have a fight about this. I'll do that. Listen, listen to it. Okay. So Tucker Carlson, I'm the so dog happy. Ate, the dog I was worried. I was bo- looking at the clock. I was like, are we no, going no, no, to get to no, Tucker? No, no, no. I need my yeah. dessert. The, the, the dog, the dog ate his bullshit apparently or something. So he lost the package, which was the big story. He opened the vault. There was nothing there. Tell me what's going on here. UPS has now found I, the magic package.
1: Yeah. You know, I think we're all getting tired of the term Karen. And so I think we might need to change it to a Tucker. You know, do you become a Tucker when you're when you call the boss? I, if you've not watched, I just I highly recommend. I You know, I know everybody's nervous. The next however many hours we have left, eighty hours, and you're gonna be biting your nails and having a drink. Spend four minutes with Tucker uh, because it is enjoyable. I mean, he he, it's great. He 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 goes on this thing where they lost his package but then they found and then he has to he has to he knows he's got criticized for not copying. He said, "Well, by the way, I had copies. I had copies." Wait, so, wait, the
0: whole point was that it was the only
1: piece. Yeah, I know. It's so so he had to he had to cover his tracks from the day before. He said, "I actually did have copies, but you know, we were still worried about the 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 this this mysterious stolen package." And and he's like, and so UPS found it. They found the they found the package and, you know, but but they still don't we still don't know exactly what happened. And he said, "I've been on with executives at UPS all day trying to find figure out what happened to this package how did it how did it get lost how did it get found and it's, just like, it's like if you get, you know i so say you get a cold pizza delivery and uh, you know from papa john's and you call the papa himself to complain about it it's like this is it's insane this is insane it's like the most normal thing happened that's happened to all of us during this pandemic you order something it didn't come and uh, you know, a couple of days later, it showed up on your doorstep. End of story. You know, and and yet it is this whole time he needs to keep up this this bit that oh maybe maybe somewhere deep inside the UPS processing plant in in uh, oh, uh, in in Los Angeles there was a CIA plant who's protecting Hunter and Bubelinski from their from their crimes i the whole thing is just preposterous and makes him look ridiculous and that is enjoyable for me m-
0: m- maybe it's sort of like a dress rehearsal for what they're gonna do with the voting process is like get people to believe that anything that has the slightest glitch to it might not be a coincidence. So yeah. somebody wants this to happen. So you way, think it's gonna just a get coincidence- a vote count wrong somewhere. Can we just a say this? Like, yeah, like
1: no. this is just working, all humans. You know, delivery men lose boxes. Um, you know, voting machines
2: <laughs> miscount no, no. votes
0: every once in a while. There are no coincidences, Mr. Miller. You think you think it's just a coincidence that there are these late votes coming in in some of these states? Really, that there are people who mailed in their votes? Huh? Who knows? Who, who wants that?
1: Who knows, Charlie and George you
0: know, Soros, pizza pedophile, left-wing socialists? What? I mean,
1: they could be coming to the homes. You know, George could be sending people into people's homes to do to knock on doors. Why are people knocking on my door anyway? You know, maybe so here, they're here, filling
0: out ballots for people. Okay, here, here's something to raise your blood pressure just a little bit. I I do, I do think that that if this is not a close election, which I'm you know knock on knock on wood, um, you know there will still be attempts. You can you can see that the Republican Party is all in in litigation, and the and the theme of all of their litigation is that they don't want certain ballots. Uh, counted, which is an extraordinary thing for a political party to very publicly be doing that, that they really kind of want to disenfranchise people and suppress the votes. That's literally the the case. So there's going to be a lot of that. But it's going to be interesting to see what our good friends, the anti-anti-Trumpers do with this, whether they feel the need to go, well, actually, you know, there are some serious issues here and perhaps we ought not to allow this extra 100,000 votes in Pennsylvania to be cast. I, I mean, there's so. an off-ramp here for some people on the right to go, okay, Mr. Trump, you had your run, you lost the election, you need to move on. We're going to put the country before party and before Trumpism. So there is an off-ramp for some of those people. And I'm kind of still hoping, because I'm incredibly naive and because I'm an idiot, that maybe some elected officials will take that off-ramp. But it's going to be interesting to see where the, the anti-anti-Trumpers, you know, and you know, I'm nobody's not gonna, gonna name any names like Nobody's gonna take the off ramp. I wanna hear you name names. I no no no, see that would be mean. I would I would I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna beat up on you know National <laughs> <laughs> Review and Hugh Hewitt and Rich Lowry and, and your your friend Matt Lewis. I don't I, I don't know I'm the Washington Examiner free <laughs> beacon. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean why 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 do that? You know, commentary uh, commentary yeah,
1: yeah, I don't um I don't know uh either. I'm you just making this. a commentary. I was just yeah, making a commentary on commentary, your yeah, thought. Commentary. Um, commentary. <laughs> Um, and I, you know, I don't look. Here's the thing. I mean, if he gets Peggy Noonan, if he gets beaten clearly, <laughs> if he gets, if he gets beaten, if he gets beaten clearly, uh, you know, then then maybe there's their off ramp. But 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 uh, you know, you still are gonna get this thing, like you did with the FISA reform you know where it's like i didn't actually care about it you know but there's one oh there was this one issue and we now this is a serious issue and we do have to now take it seriously and you know um you know looking at the way the ballots are are counted and and you'll you'll just you'll get that and you'll get um Uh, lack of trust in institutions how can you blame people for not trusting you know um uh these institutions maybe why won't cnn
0: cover this here's a story and the real story is that twitter.com did not allow this particular tweet out there so there's always just the you know that slight misdirection where we're not actually saying that Hunter Biden's a pedophile, but we are saying that the mainstream media is not really aggressively enough pursuing this story, right?
1: Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, right, or that there's maybe there's something to it that you know that the, you know Trump maybe a little oh, go overboard or you. But but there's but there's something to the critique here. I, you know, look, I just they're not there's nobody. There's no benefit to them to just say it's over. You got your ass kicked. There's no problem with the election, yeah. right? Like this, so they're not going to do it. They'll, they'll, just, they'll just hide under. Just like again, it's the same. Just like with the these rallies, way. just like I why know nobody's speaking right, about man. these rallies. Just why no, like everybody's coming up with the stupid excuse about how the parents don't want to be reunited with their children. Um, uh, you know, it doesn't. There's nothing. There's there's no level of absurdity that they won't just go along with the talking point. And so that's
0: yeah. Okay, you know what? I, I I I can't disagree. So you know what? I got to go do now. What's up? Okay, so um, we, we, we're, we 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 had the full podcast. I'm not cutting I'm cutting this short, but I'm actually going um gonna spend a few minutes uh on my old radio station, okay, the one where I was I was a talk show host for 23 years, and I had a really good rapport with my audience until the Trump thing. Now they all hate me.
1: I I hear occasionally from no. a long time listener. Yeah. I, I got a DM last night from a long time Charlie Sykes listener. So you got a Hater. couple out there, Hater. ten of them. Yeah, no, no like you. No.
0: Oh no, well, well, there's there's there's, there's the haters. Like, you were conservative, and and but because you didn't go along with Trump, you have sold out. And so, so I'm sort of taking a deep breath here, going back on. Um, the good news is, is that the, the the host is is my longtime producer who was actually with me through the whole soul crushing experience of 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 twenty sixteen. So we're we're having these these flashbacks. He reminded me of something. Okay, you know, you don't you feel old? Five years ago yesterday, you know what happened? Paul Ryan was elected Speaker of the House of Representatives. Wow. That was five years ago. You know, don't you feel like you're like looking over the fence in like this distant world over there. Whatever happened to Paul Ryan? See, this is the thing. Where is that guy? Well, I, You know, I got I'm a look, I, I made it clear. I'm, I'm a big fan. It was very, very disappointed. But when you think of the possibility and the hopes and everything of what he could have been, what he represented and now what happened to him? I mean, really, it's kind of the story of our of our time.
1: I, I just mean you know, in a literal sense, like, does he live in Janesville? Does he live no, to New York? He's,
0: no, he's he's out is with on, on the coast. He's he's on the board of Fox Fox News or Fox Corporation. He's one of, one of the Fox boards. Is that he's a real job a,
1: though? was like you, you have yeah. meetings or?
0: oh he's yeah. I, I don't know if it's a real job, but uh, <laughs> no, no. But but he but but he but, he, but he's out there. He's not going to be in politics anymore. And it's like, oh boy, talk about. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when he was the future, although. In retrospect, his instinct not to become speaker was right. He should have stuck with that one. I mean, he yeah. knew this was a shitty job. He had no idea how shitty it was going to be.
1: Who would have thought that Kevin McCarthy would have been the longest standing young gun? You had Eric Cantor <laughs> and that's also in New York. And then yeah. he's silent. You don't. there's a lot of people who um, uh, there, there's not bad this morning, in the Detroit News. This one really quick shout out from Josh Venable, who I used to work oh, with yeah. on Jeb at the RNC. He was Betsy DeVos's chief of staff. And he's been texting me, and finally he was just like, I've had enough. I'm writing this op ed. I just can't do it. And, 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 and good on him, and um, about how he can't support Trump. And it's just it isn't when you start to think about it, it is amazing how many people have just gone with strategic silence. So I, mean, I, I took us, I, I digressed from your uh, from your your radio hosting, no. but like you know, you you think about this, the Eric Cantors and the Paul Ryan's and the John Boehner's and uh, Bill Friss, you know what I mean? Like you can think about, it. there's so many people that could have been the vocal, I know, you know, anti-Trump conscience. And, and just every single one of them, um, I guess Rick Snyder came out today and said something, but like basically so every single one there. of them, you know, just have decided uh, you know to what? hide I, under
0: a rock. I, I, I have to say, though, that in some ways I prefer the strategic silence folks. To the ones who turned themselves into the total fluffers and turd like
1: Yeah, you'll take Paul Ryan Well, over no, exactly. That
0: trying- yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, at least Paul Ryan is keeping his head down. He's not defending the indefensible. He's not tweeting out Charlie Kirk level sort- type of things like like the former governor. Uh, so, yeah, we've we've defined we've defined uh, cowardice down, I suppose. But I'm I'm willing to take strategic silence ver- versus uh, cheer- cheerleading into the apocalypse. Okay, I've got so. one last thing for you, really quick, Charlie.
1: One last thing. I want to make everybody nervous here. Um, yeah. I've had a good run this year. Okay, I used to be the cooler. John Weaver mm-hmm. uh, used to call me the cooler um, on mm-hmm. on the, yeah. my boss Huntsman campaign, and 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 I've had a good run, and I've got my two seventy to win out. And I'm looking at my map, and I just I I have Joe Biden with two hundred ninety nine electoral votes, and Uh-oh. I don't know how he gets less. Mm. And I think that he could get. I, where's, what's what's mm. this? I'm trying to do this now? I I and mean, he could have 380. Sunshine. And I just and I don't know. And it's it's really freaking me out. I want to change one of the colors to red so that I'm not jinxing it. What was your other I reputation?
0: Just, you were like like the storm cloud, right? You were yeah, the, the rain cloud. Yeah. The, you know, and, the rain cloud. People would be feeling good and happy, and then you would walk in as like, oh, here comes up Miller. Up Miller. But yeah. but you're saying you're kind of sunshine today.
1: I mean, Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, mm, and yeah. Florida. And that's the ball game. It's over.
0: Yeah, Florida. I wish I felt better off, Florida. Well,
1: I every just, I, poll, I poll that's been fl- out lately, I know, in Florida has been good, and our, our internal RVAT poll had 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 it going the right direction. It's yeah. just like, how can you not look at Florida and think it's a lean Biden state right now with how bad yeah. Trump's doing with seniors?
0: Well, the seniors is the big story. You know, yeah. everybody has been you know hanging out at the at the truck stops in Western Pennsylvania when apparently the the story is uh, is, is is Granny who's living in the retirement home down in Florida <laughs> should
1: have <laughs> been at that so... <laughs> old country buffet for the. Four forty-five 45 dinner okay. in yeah. Naples. That, that, see, would, that would have been how you get your finger on the pulse of what was happening. New see, York that's, that's
0: journalism the next four years. All the reporters hanging out at the country kitchen. <laughs> 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 Tim Miller, thank you so
2: much see for you, joining Charlie. me. I
0: appreciate it. And thank you all for listening to the Work Podcast. I am Charlie Sykes. We'll be back on Monday and do this all over again because as of right now, there's only four days left to go. Ugh. Okay. Ugh.